Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We've had some incredible guests over the past couple weeks, Dante, and I think we're going to keep the ball rolling into this week with just some really great stories, really great guests, really great dives into golf technology, golf shoes, uh, and golf influencing, golf YouTube pages, golf blogs. Um, excited to get into the guests we have this week. Uh, today's show is the founder of Squares, Rob Winskovich, um, and Terry. I'm just going to call him Terry because you'll find out who later, but all, 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 he, all he needs is Terry as an introduction, uh, writer for Golf WRX, uh, founder of the Body Track uh, Systems that is, is so pivotal in a lot of these guys' information, uh, you know, day to days as they go, go chase speed, they chase, uh, you know, the perfection as far as numbers are concerned. So excited to get in to the technology behind squares golf shoes today. But first Dante, we got to take a dive into our own lives. We got some warm weather up in the Northeast. Finally, we both got out in the golf course. Um, I got out on a day where it was almost 70 degrees. Uh, it was way, way too nice. I think because it spoiled me and it's going to be cold for the next couple weeks. It was but, a tease. Uh, you you got out as well. I'm excited to I, see how the game is for both of us. I did. I did get out. Um, unfortunately, I, I know the day you're talking about Thursday was absolutely amazing. I mean, it was pushing, you know, low 70s, which was crazy. We got a nice, huge heat wave. Course was packed. I was all like, our guys, a lot of our guys can, you know, have they, they have flexible schedules. Unfortunately, I do not. Um, they got a game going, so I was a little kind of salty but i was thinking about you know calling up the boss and being uh yeah not coming in but i didn't but i did get out uh i got out on the windiest of days um i played yesterday which was sunday uh dude and of course i played one of our reciprocals river winds right on the delaware river right across from philly um it's right across from the philly airport which is sexy you just see all the planes flying in um you got the you know, the card report right there too. And I'm telling you what, once we got to the holes right after 13, the remaining holes are all on the water. It was all into the wind, except for well, the 18. Set, this, set the stage for us a little bit, because you talked about this. I saw you and Steve, our buddy, Steve DiCarlo, uh, assistant pro over at Rump Point talking about it in the group checks today. You were, you had a, get a good round going. Till, till you hit the windy holes you you know did, did you did you figure something out with the swing b- before you kind of got the crap kicked out of you no i mean you know i've been doing you know playing whatever nice days i can um now that it's getting lighter out staying lighter out later i've been getting out and just you know smacking a couple balls around playing a couple holes and just mainly i've been doing a lot of uh mirror work just really kind of just that that's that's really all that's been i guess you can say my practice per se uh with the swing um so i just went out i was just excited i was playing with my buddies for for a couple bucks you know kind of some bragging rights um and and you know next thing i know i'm like all right it's gonna be a windy day i'm, I'm just like not gonna think too much of it scores really not out of the question it's fairly warm i mean if I, I was like yeah it'll be a little bit of test to see how well i can do with the wind because i knew it was going to be 30 mile hour gust and plus. So I get out and I come off the front nine, you know, plus two, 38. Yeah, I got I got something going Cruise. here. Cruising. Cruising. I was like, <laughs> had to throw a couple few birdies in there, some bogeys that kind of hurt a little bit, but there's a couple of bad shots, but relatively, I mean, 
I thought the swing felt great. I was making pretty contact. The greens were actually rolling phenomenal, which is shocking because I mean, they really haven't done anything over the winter because of snow coverage. And I want to talk cold. about that a little later, but uh, the, the course Glen Riddle, where I'm a member, greens were also superb. I mean, they were just rolling pure and I'm just shocked. And I'm like, this is amazing because one thing I like, I mean, I don't mind playing courses that are a little patchy and a little brown and whatnot, but as long as the greens are nice and they roll smooth with like a good speed, I'm going to be a happy camper. I can care less with the rest of it. It's just getting to the green. So, so I'm rolling the rock. Well, I'm like, man, I got, I got this going, uh, get the 10. I double it. Shit. Uh, because that's like when the wind started to kick it in. Cause you got closer to the water. And I'm like, oh, shit. That's because I, like, chunk hooked one into the water. Like, there's, like, a little pond off into the left. I was just trying to lay up because the wind was dead into our face, 30 miles an hour. It's like, all right, get to the next, get to 11. Easy birdie opportunity. Just, like, I don't know, stubbed my putt. I was pissed about that, but whatever. And then came off a of birdie. Or, no, came off came off a of par, then par. And I was like, okay, cool. Then I get to the longest hole. It's a par five, little dog leg right. You can really cut some corners if you can, like, hammer it over these mounds. But it's, like, 600 yards. Like, it's it's a big it's a big hole. I mean, it's deep, right? So, and, of course, the best time to have wind blowing that hard is on that hole because it was right to our back. So I just swung away. T and High let it fly after an aggravating double. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) T and High let it fly. And dude, I'm like, all right. So, I mean, this whole, I mean, you're usually like anywhere from like 250 to 270 out on your second shot. So, you, I mean, maybe 270 plus. It's like that deep at times. But the wind was with her back. And I was like, whatever. So I just take out, um, I don't carry three wood. I carry two hybrid. Dude, I just rip it. Uh, it was probably the best swing and best contact ever. It's just a nice little draw. And like, I don't know my, and then I, I'm like, all right, cool. I saw like kind of the curvature. And next thing I know, I'm like, all right, that's going to be pretty good. I'll probably actually have a wedge in playing partner. goes, dude, I think that got on the green. Well, sure enough, I got it. It was right on the front of the green, but of course the pin was all the way in the back. Then I'm like, you, of course, out of all days, the pin's going to be in the back the day I actually get it there in two, because normally I don't. I blast the putt because I had to go up like two levels, like two tiers. I was like, what the hell? I bla- I was pissed. Next thing I know, I'm like, all right. So I was like, just get it get it back. Don't three-putt par, because that's just going to be absolutely – I mean, I have like a good like 12-footer. I pull it. I'm like, shit. So here we go. I'm watching this, I'm watching this ball roll, right? And it just – you know, fades off to the left, but it's right by, I mean, I had the right speed. So you're pin high. Pin high. Dude, the wind came in, knocked the ball in the whole birdie. I was like, let's go. So, wow. So I'm three over total through 13, right? I'm like, dang. I was like, all right, like, this is great. Like I have a hell of a round going for the conditions that we were in. The golf gods knew you stole one there. Yeah. I'm like, and then I'm like, wow, these guys are actually giving me a break because I normally don't play this well when I get in the wind because it becomes a mental thing. And then you're judging clubs. Like how do, what kind of shot do I want to hit? Here we go. And now we get to the real test. We're coming on. I was like, this is going to be a tough test because you got to play 14, 15, 16, 17 all on the water and 17 is that par three downhill it's like 110 yards and it's island green it's it, it's 
their signature hole and I hate it. We'll get into that. Well, I'll just tell you what, and everything, all the winds into our face at this point, I go 14. I, I, uh, I double because I aimed left because the wind was actually coming across and, uh, and left or right. What's, what's 14. Is it a par four? It's a par, par four. It's a par short par four. You can probably get away with, uh, you know, hybrid or wood off the tee to get it to the 150. Um, but with the wind kind of dead in her face, I just tried to like, I was like, let me just take a driver and see if I can just hit like a little liner. I was like, aim left. Cause there's this bunker down to the left. Usually I, I mm-hmm. somehow gravitate towards, I don't know why. <laughs> um, next thing I know I hit it high. It's like on a pretty straight line towards where I was aiming. And next thing I know, I just watched the ball sail right and keep sailing and keep sailing. And it oh, no. goes into the, into the Delaware. I'm like, shit. Luckily it's, uh, it's red stakes. So it's no, no, it would be. So, you know, I take, um, take the drop, but where across, I had a tree in front of me. So that's, I drop. That's the Ugh. worst. Actually, I'm stopping you right there. That's the worst. Like I, I literally hate, and it happens a lot. It actually happens way more often than I think people realize when you hit a ball OB or not OB. Cause I guess you can't take that stroke and distance, but in a penalty area, and you have to drop there and you're still screwed. Like you're still in a position where you got to chop out and then take more medicine on top of already taking a medicine of a drop ball. There might not be anything worse than being screwed after taking a drop. Well, how about taking a drop on dirt, mud dirt. And then you're like, well, I, all right, I got to take my medicine. I was like, maybe I'll just pop it out, get it on and try and get bogey. Right. Try and see if I can stick it close. Well, I drop it in on mud and I take a clean wedge out just to get it around the tree so I can try and wedge it close. Well, next thing I know, all this dirt pops up in the air. And of course, guess what? The wind's blowing into us and it just just comes right into my face. And I just got dirt all over my face. It's you know, you know, you get the grittiness in the teeth and oh yeah. It's like and you're crunching on it for the next 20, 30 minutes. I was like, oh man, I was like, here we go. It's like shit. And this is like a very gettable, like the green's actually very tough because it's kind of almost, imagine like a septic tank in the middle, but popped up out of the ground in the middle of the green and it's just like this giant bubble. Like that's how the green is and it all fades back the front and it's like a pain in the ass. I know the green's tough, but I mean, it's a gettable, like you can easily have a birdie chance regardless. That's like, it's a relatively short hole. Mm-hmm. Cool. Double, the great get to the next hole par three, right? Pretty short part, uh, you know, 150, 140, 150, dead in the wind, club up a couple, goes up, I come up way short. Bogey, oh God, here so we go. You, so what are you sitting at now? You, you, you were plus two, right? Plus two. I was plus three, going into that, then I was plus, six, uh, plus five, then I bogeyed the par three, uh, 15th. So that's what plus six. <laughs> I'm like, great, here we go. Then wheels <laughs> on the bus are falling off, falling off, falling off. Then uh, then I uh we get to the after the par three, we get this it's another short par four, which I mean if you know the longer hitters like on a good windy day, wind to your back, I mean you pretty get near close to driving the green um i was like all right well i'm not pulling driver again because usually i take 
I take iron or uh, hybrid off the tee and I get myself inside the 150. Uh, so I'm sitting here. I'm like, all right, cool. Cool. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm pulling out the hybrid again. I'm trying to keep it low. Well, I come up short left. Then I try to hit a punch shot, came up left again, bogeyed that hole. Get to the signature par three. Now, this is like the famous hole in the course. I mean, it's it's downhill significantly. Right off of Delaware, right? Right off of Delaware. It's right in this cove. You can see the Riverwinds restaurant across. And the, in the summertime, it's really nice because all anybody who likes to boat, all the boaters, they all, you know, park their boats and you know i feel drop like the anchor i feel like it's very reminiscent of the the pga tournament out in texas where they had the river right along this drivable par four and everyone boats up and they they party all day long like if there was a pga event at riverwinds this that would, would be, be the party boat hole uh, that would be i mean you you see some pretty nice boats that these guys um that people have and, it, and it's like a huge party because anytime you get up when you pull up to the tee, I mean, music's blasting, especially in the summertime. You can hear them. They're having a blast and whatnot. It's a cool spot, too, because, again, when you look out into the river, you see the Philly airport and you just see all the all the planes flying in, which is cool. Right. So, I mean, the wind's coming off. Like, So when we get there, the wind's actually kind of – now it feels like it's coming off, like, right – so if I'm looking at the green – the winds come in. It's not truly in. It's kind of coming like, you know, into your face, but it's like a crosswind at the same time. And it's blowing, you know, 30 plus miles an hour. And so, you know, I just take, you know, I, it was playing uh, 110 yards. I just grabbed wedge. And I was like, all right. So I aimed at, at the restaurant, which like a little like inside of the the left side of the restaurant if you're looking at it i'm aiming at the water let's just put it that way so i just hit this punch shot into it and next thing you know you just see the ball out and it just sails left and i just fly the green i'm in like this hazard junk and i decide to just end up uh it's 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 in a hazard area but since you can play out of it i said screw it i mean there's there, I was moving logs and shit just to get it out of the way. You, um, you were full survival mode at this yeah. point. And I'm like, all right. And like the, at the, at that point I had to hit ch- uh, pitch up a hill and then it all flirted back down. Well, let's just say I ended up tripling that hole. Ooh. Yep. And then, yeah, I was, I was steamed. Wait, and I, with one hole to go, there's no coming back from that. No, I just kind of, I got up to the 18th tee and just, let it i just ripped it i mean it's a pretty anger management had set in by then (laughs) yeah i try (laughs) to keep my cool as much as possible i just walked away and i ended up getting like it's a i ended up getting like 50 yards within the green i pitch up pitch it long and three putt for bogey i said i i I quit i was like i'm done this game sucked so i went from like plus three to plus who knows but it wasn't it wasn't the best finishing couple of holes, but I mean, that's river winds for you. And if the wind's blowing, it'll get you if if you are not a wind player. Dude, it's crazy to me, man. The way you and Steve both describe river winds, like if it's dead, it's a super easy course. If the wind's up, like good luck breaking 90. Um, you know, it's just, it's crazy to me that, that wind can have that much effect. Uh, I've never been up there on the Delaware River and played, but I imagine it's very similar to Rum Point down here, right off the bay in Assateague Island. If the wind gets up, 
this this course is a absolute beast if it's dead out it's easy you can shoot you know a couple under par exactly nobody's business um but that's what makes it so fun right like you're, you're cruising along you think you're having like a great day first time out like seriously out uh, you know, first couple times out, I guess this year, and you're, you're feeling good about the game and then it just beats you in. Um, we're going to, we're going to talk about Bryson and, and Lee Westwood <laughs> a little bit later in the podcast, but I can only imagine that's what they felt like hitting the back nine of, of the players this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, you know, go, golf's got a funny way of humbling you pretty quick. And that that's the beauty of the game. And, you know, at this time, day and age, like you said, you get out a couple times if you're lucky, uh, especially where we're at. And you just, you kind of appreciate that. Wow. I, I, I can go out and do this during this time. I mean, it's March. Um, there's times it was February and January was kind of somewhat nice. And you're like, like, yo, it's the first three months of the year. This, we shouldn't be playing. Exactly. And you go out and you're, I was actually pleased with besides, you know, getting to that point and kind of really dealing with the win of where I was able to take, take my game and, you know, playing every now and then, this is a game where you you need to get out yeah. three times a there, week. I think there was one thing from when what I was when I played this past Thursday um, that I realized, holy crap, it actually does pay off to kind of pick something up every day or every other day. I've been picking up the putter a lot. Uh, just in my apartment, I have that little birdie ball putting green, little three foot wide, eight feet, ten feet long, or whatever. Um, boy, did it pay off to just hit like 20, 30 putts a day and get comfortable with the putter in my hand. Uh, Cause I always feel like that's the first thing that goes. And that's the number one reason I got the birdie ball is because, you know, I know we're in a climate we're in. I don't get out all the time. If there's one thing I can constantly work on, it's going to be my putting. And I've struggled with that over the years. That so, and ch- chipping. If I noticed too, I, when I was getting, if I didn't get it on the green um, and reg, I, <laughs> You know, I ended up relying on my it short game. Weird, I, right? I kinda, and like this early in the season, it feels weird. Uncomfortable, yippy. I was hitting kind of like those. I was taking, you know, one club up just in case if I like chunked it and missed it just so I can get that chunk and run. Yeah. Uh, but it was, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I kind of want to invest in one of those putting mats too, uh, because I think that, that that's crucial because that, okay, cool. Like you go out, like the swing, you swing stiff a little bit. You haven't really been practicing about contact and all that, and you kind of can slap around a little bit, but you can still manage to score if you're doing that, if the flat sticks hot. So for sure, that's that. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I think it's so uh, it's been so pivotal for me. Like when I started playing out at Riddle this Thursday, we played a Stableford system. So um, we're qualifying for the state team events and that's how we're qualifying is everybody goes out and plays with someone else who's qualifying and you play it on a point system. So, I mean, your number matters basically at the end of the day, but pars were pars were two points. Birdies were four points and Eagles were six points or something like that. Bogey was zero points. Double bogey was like negative one point or something. Yeah. We usually play a, like a modified, but it's four, three, two, one, zero, negative one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then I, just pick up after triple or something. A hundred percent. And the reason I said, I think this putting came in. So, ha- you know, so handy, I made a lot of par putts. I made a lot of putts that if I didn't make were zero points, but instead I got those two points and ended up racking up close to like 22 points throughout the whole round. So pretty happy with the way I played, uh, you know, 
I think the warm weather obviously always helps with that. I wasn't freezing my, my chaps off. I was, you know, kind of comfortable. I was in short sleeves at, at a good point during, during the day, um, wrapped it up, you know, with a little pullover as it got cooler in the evening on like 16, 17, 18, but the most of the day felt pretty good. And I was, um, dude, I was so excited to be in short sleeves. Like you have no idea. I was wearing pants, but I was so excited to be in short sleeves. I just like, I, I just want, sh- I want warm weather and I want it back for good. Um, but speaking of state team events, um, you're, you guys are gearing up at running deer for, for a B and C team, right? You guys have three or four teams. We, this year. we actually, um, we had so much interest that we got a fourth team. So we have, you know, ABCD, one, two, three, four, however you want to say that. That's, so it's ex- that's so awesome. It's exciting because a lot of the guys that, so we got kind of like our blue group and our other group called the hack brigade as they like to call themselves kind of a white, uh, you know, middle T and then, you know, kind of like back T middle back T blue T group. Right. We got our white T and blue T group. Usually the blue T guys are all like the first and second team. A lot of the, you know, scratch plus handicap low digits and then like your whites are like the low to mid you know high like the nines and tens and up to like the there's some 18s and whatnot but all these guys like to compete they want to compete i mean they go out and that's why we play in these groups is because they want to they want to enjoy themselves they want to have a good time it's great camaraderie but at the same time they all want to do well and they all want to focus and they all want to play a game it's like it's a collective game right yeah it's not i mean and there's individual matches within but it's an overall kind of tournament setup style every week well that's and what it's I like awesome it. that's what i like about it too right because in this stableford you know like kind of setup we were playing it was obviously myself and my quote-unquote partner uh mm-hmm. that i was riding with that was you know part of the stableford but then the other two guys we were playing with also playing mm-hmm. the stableford with us we're like all right what, what, what else are we playing on the side? Cause there's never anything else that you, know, you can't just play one thing. You got to have some sort of side bet, you know, cart versus cart, you know, a versus B player or whatever. We ended up playing a little uh, Nassau. So a front back overall um, yeah. and, and had some fun with those guys. I ended up actually giving up seven bucks throughout the whole day because of uh, a, a net 10 that played like a net or a gross two, if that makes sense. Uh, he had a hell of a Hate day. Hate to see it. He had but... a hell of a day. He he uh, he he net five. He net fived us all day, if that makes sense. So he made five for fours all day long. Fours for threes. Um, he he was a he was a bogey making machine, which put him in position to make a lot of pars and and skate out some really good holes. But him. that's like, I, I have mixed feelings with the handicap system, but at the same time. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes it, you know, that's, it, that's it's cool. exactly why the handicap system set up, right? To yeah. make that fun. If he yeah. goes out there and he's just who he is without the handicap system, I beat his shit all day long. All the time. Or my partner beats his shit all day long. But it made it and, fun. It made it competitive. Or, and the overall match, because of his handicap, came down to the last hole. That's why we have the handicap system. It makes or it you fun ever, for everybody. Or you ever notice where you play with like a, like a handicap of your – of your caliber and you have like a low handicap middle handicap and like oh we're gonna play a game or there's like a group game going on that guy is shit nervous yeah you're fine because you know your game but no <laughs> now you know the guy knows oh i got seven to nine shots for me yeah that you could you see a whole different game because they always say you always want to play up to your competition 
right? You want to play yeah. with better players. And it always comes out. And that's what probably happened. This guy was like, you know, I'm playing with some better players. So that like, it's that like internal focus that just comes out. And then all of a sudden this guy's shooting lights out. And that's, what's crazy about like those seven to nine handicap players is, you know, I've been there before. You can, ha- you can come out and shoot a nice 76, 77. And there's days you go out and you shoot 89s. I mean, that's, that's, the, well, that's golf with it in general, but at the same time, that's like that <laughs> handicap, like, you know, your potential, but at the same time, you know, your bad days. Oh, and, for sure, and, man. and that's all, that's awesome to see, man. I mean, you can't, that's why I, that's half the times I want to play with guys that are just way better than me because I just know my, you know, the focus, I, I'm just going to get there. And next thing I know, I'm just in the zone. And next thing you know, I'm shooting a pretty decent round and I'm walking well, it's off. It's funny, right? Like the, the handicap portrays your quote unquote potential. And I think you always reach your peak potential when you're playing with better people. So um, yeah, man, I always love stuff like that. The Stableford system, I very rarely play. Um, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was we, a fun, it was a fun little way, honestly, to, I think, go around a golf course and be like, all right, that was two, how many, how many points can I rack up today? You know, that it was pretty cool. And the, yeah. And the beauty about the Stableford too, is like a lot of the guys that we play with are, you know, in the realms of, or with that group are in the realms of, you know, low to mid handicaps. Right. Mm-hmm. And what's great about that is if you really have a blow up hole, you can just say, F it, I'm picking up, give me minus one and I'm moving on to the next hole. And you're not out of the game. No. Sometimes when these guys, they play net games, it hold, like if you're having a bad hole, now you're holding up your group, you're holding up everybody up behind you. So you want to try and keep pace of play moving. And now you already know like, all right, if it's a net game and I don't get a pop on this, I shoot a 10, I'm out. Like you're you're just in your mind, just out with the stable for it. At least, you know, like, all right, I had one bad hole. I can just wipe away. I can make up for that. Oh, for sure. And you can still come out on top, even if you have that complete blow up hole. And I think that's the beauty of it. It almost made me treat it like match play. I almost took some more risks than I normally would, you know, it, it because of that, like, I mean, I'm not playing to shoot that 70 or, you know, 69, 68. I'm just playing to, rack up points and well granted you still have to play semi smart to make pars and you know not make a bunch of bogeys and double bogeys <laughs> in some of the holes where you know you can attack and really go after it it almost made you say well why not why not try and rack up four or six points rather than just two and that, that was kind of the fun i took of it i, I drove a couple greens while i was out there or at least took some shots at it you know drove one par four uh and, and then it was also one of the the last par five at glen riddle uh war admiral course I, I was on that and two uh driver three wood into the wind pretty gutsy three wood um it was just it was fun man i had a blast um i got a lot of room to work like you said the short game just felt weird chip shots felt weird uh but i'm excited man it's uh it's hopefully some things to come here in the third month of the year that so we can get some warm weather so your team y'all have to basically kind of play to qualify to be on the team is that is it kind of like a tryout but generally speaking it is because ours is a little different than what you guys have going on uh maryland's a little different we don't have the insane reach that like the greater philadelphia section has right like we don't have the 
A's and the B's and the C's. We have one team. Uh, so in, in a membership base, that's pretty large. We've got, uh, I think we've got 30 some guys, you know, kind of duking it out now, granted out of those 30 guys, probably 20 have a legitimate chance of making the 12 man roster, uh, six away, six home. But I mean, we still, we still have some pretty, pretty solid guys that are vying for spots that uh, a couple people are going to have to unfortunately miss the cut, which I think is crazy, but you know, um, we're in a different spot than you are with not, you know, having the ability to add a, a B team. We, we don't have yeah. the B team. We I have mean... the team. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting. It's um, I was told that basically if I rack up anything over 20 points in the Stableford, I'd be fine. I racked up 22. Um, so we'll see how it's, it's kind of skates out. I might have to play another round if, uh, if things are too close to call, but I think I should be all right with that 22 score. Well, that's uh, that's crazy because I mean, looking at the, we have forty eight starting guys, right, for four teams, but some of the, like the lower end teams, but you have how we do it, we break it up basically based off of the handicap of from our best guy to our worst guy, and that's how we break off the teams. But there's twelve starters, yet we have bench players too, filling guys or whatnot. And some right. of like the the lower, like the C's and D teams, will um, they'll they'll play everybody. They'll they'll see who's available, whatnot. So you're looking at forty eight plus guys wanting to play, and I think that's just so crazy that I like it on your end of things. It's crazy how much interest you have, even though it's smaller, but you're only taking the top 12 and those are the guys that are playing. Yeah. But it kind of just brings you back to the the high school and the middle school and even like the college days where you, you like, even though like, Hey, I'm going to go play for the team that the coach basically still says, well, I have to see what you got in order for me to put on the team. So I can see how, how that can just be fun too. It's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and see if I can make the team this year. I'm going to make this team or, you know, I didn't make the team last year, but I'm going to, I'm going to grind a little extra harder in the gym and focus on my swing and on the off season, come out. I'm going to make that team because well, it's, it's pretty sweet too. Right. Cause we've had the same head professional down at Glen Riddle for the past like five to seven years. We've got a new head pro as well. And the head pro plays on the teams down here. Uh, they're one of like the, you know, the members, they usually take on the other head pro. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the new head pro plays. Um, you know, um, John Good's a great player, uh, new fresh blood. Obviously, he's been the assistant there for a while, but it'll be cool to see the new head pro kind of step into that position, get a little playing time in the team and muck it up with the guys. Um, we usually, I would say 99% of the time, first round is us versus Ocean City Country Club. It's just been that way forever. They switched it up this year on us. We actually play Mount Pleasant first. Uh, or I'm sorry, Talbot Country Club first, which is like a small country club right on the Chesapeake Bay, up by the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Uh, so it'd be interesting. I've never played there. Um, and then if we play and beat them, we'll play Mount Pleasant second, which is another really, really small, old-style country club. So um, I, I hope we can make some noise. Um, chances are if we get through our little, like, mini section, um, we have the opportunity to play either the Country Club of Maryland – uh, U.S. Naval Academy or Baltimore Country Club. Uh, U.S. So, Naval Academy. Yeah, so they have a. That's have, sick. Yeah, they have a team in it as well. Uh, they're a registered, you know, Maryland State Golf Association club, so they have a team in it as well. Um, 
we've got some so we're technically in the quote-unquote baltimore upper division uh so we're we're in those you know clubs with baltimore the the section in, in there and stuff so we've got some interesting courses uh that we might you know find ourselves come across if we continue to win um the other side is just an absolute stacked of who's who uh, on the you know Maryland side, University of Maryland Golf Club, Columbia, TPC Potomac, uh, Congressional, Cumberland, Maryland National. You know y- you've got some heavy hitters on the other side, uh, the quote unquote Washington side of of the bracket. <laughs> so you've got some heavy hitters over there. Um, I, I play with a couple guys in this that are still on the state team that made it to the semifinals one year. They went and played Congressional. Uh, they got to play Congressional. So we'd have to make it to the finals and congressional would have to make it to the finals for us to play there. But again, I, I would be pumped to just make it out of our division and get into some pretty cool courses across the bridge. That'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. I think it'd be a fun goal for us this year. Yeah. That's, that's the beauty of it too, is, you know, you're out there competing, you're, you know, you're, you're throwing your, your course on your shoulders. You're showing them like what your course is all about. And half of it, half of it is just the excitement of being able to play courses that you may not even be able to get your foot in the door. And, and one low key thing that I love now, I didn't have this at the, at the old course I was a member at, but this course, I know the membership pays collectively for the state team to wear like matching gear. Oh, like they get like embroidered gear down at Glen Riddle for their state. Okay. Team. So it's, it's a deal at Glen Riddle to be a part of the state team. Cause it's just one team. Um, so I'm excited to see what gear we get. Uh, I, I don't know who we were going to be outfitted by, but I know in the past they've had like full legitimate, like Adidas gear. So I, I'm going to walk away from this with some fresh gear. I do believe. So that's uh, pr- pretty yeah. excited. Even if we go one and done that, I want to get some fresh gear out of the deal. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> yeah. You can't beat that. That's pretty dope. No, no, Love you it. not. Uh, speaking of fresh gear, guys, you guys can go to www.enjoythewalkpod.com to check out our latest fresh gear. We've got the single strap hoodies that I'm wearing right now, the single strap society hoodies. We've also got uh, some pretty fresh merch coming out, Dante, I'd say on uh, for our master's releases. Uh, April 1st, we're going to be coming out with all the latest ma- master's gear. Currently on the website is just all of our single strap society stuff. Uh, the enjoy the walk OG uh, big chest logo t-shirts are still there as well as some of the original hats. So guys go check that out. Uh, www.enjoythewalkpod.com. Uh, and you can also check out single strap society. You guys can sign up to be a member, whether it's the digital version or the physical version, $45 for the digital $75 for the physical. Both get you a welcome kit that includes a 12-ounce logo cup, three-inch sticker, 25-count Western Birch custom wooden tees, a single-strap society logo tour towel from Winston Collection, includes a single-strap society logo and our Enjoy the Walk badge logo, um, and access to members-only merch as we go out throughout the year this year. And hopefully in the future, we're going to be doing some members-only events as well as COVID kind of you know subsides and we, we get out to be able to hold some more events out on golf courses, out in the public. Uh, so guys go check that out become a member today single strap society uh, brought to you by enjoy the walk podcast so dante we've had the players this past week jt took home the win but we had a a a reminiscent uh final pairing bryson DeChambeau, lee westwood uh who do you want to dive into first do you want to dive into bryson or do you want to dive into lee because i think both of them have incredible stories and both have great storylines to talk about this past week oh man it's like 
there's so much to talk about. One, one I do have to say that was such like a sneaky win by JT. It just came out of nowhere. My dad, well, you texted me actually and said JT took the lead. And I, and then I texted my dad. I said, you know, where's JT? He's got to be almost done. He's like, now he's one behind the leaders. I was like, I didn't even realize him and Doug Gim both. I didn't even realize both of them were just one grouping behind. I felt like when you said JT has the lead and then I texted my dad about it, I felt like he shot, he had to shot like 61. I felt like he was like eight groups back and it turns out he was only one back of the leaders. Well, Nobody I, talked about him all week. I know. And well, because I can see why, because it was back to back weeks of old school versus new, new school. If you want to per se, it was Bryson versus Lee Westwood and which, which was, obviously the talk of the town i mean it was yeah. it was awesome to see i mean you got you got this veteran golfer who you know it, i guess you could say is kind of up there in, in the numbers and age but not necessarily but compared to the average of the tour yes uh and then you have this young guy in his mid-20s just longest hitter on tour pull, taking long drive to the uh to the pga duking it out to see who's gonna walk out with the trophy i mean and you hit it you hit the that's spot. that's golf that is that is what golf's that's all the about beauty of what we play we talked about the handicap system bringing it together it's the same on the pga tour lee westwood's 47 he was number one in 2010 bryson DeChambeau was winning like u.s juniors in 2010 um so to to bring these two together and to battle it out not once but twice when Bryson won two weeks ago, who did he battle out with? Lee freaking Westwood. I mean, you look at Lee Westwood. He's the grizzly old gray hair man now. He has transformed his body. He used to be pudgy, kind of overweight. He's still got that little bit of dad bod belly, but he's pretty stacked up top now too. You can't discount the fact that Lee Westwood's gone on a pretty good body transformation as well to get his game back in the mix. I want to talk about another guy too. When we're talking about English, when we're talking about Lee Westwood, another guy who sat there at T five at the end of the week, Paul Casey, he's brought his game back from the absolute depths to contend, not only on the PGA tour, he's contended on the European tour, the race to Dubai. He had a say in coming down the stretch in 2020. Paul Casey, along with Lee Westwood has kind of restructured himself physically, mentally golf game wise, to put himself back in the in the mix here. And it's really cool to see these young guys mix it up with these old season vets. Yeah, and, and just kind of going back to what you're saying, say Lee Westwood, you know, the guy has looks like he's put a lot of time into his swing, into his fitness and the biomechanics and and kind of the kinesiology and everything that kind of was, I wouldn't I guess you could say has been forgotten about in the early age of golf. And you want to talk like the, the the dead horse here, the distance to be it's these guys are training like athletes. You know what I'm saying? These guys are, are, are studying the swing. They're studying movement, right? Well, it's they're, funny too, right? You talk building about strength. You talk about what was going on in 2009, 2010, Paul Casey, 2009 was at his highest position in world golf rankings. Third. So, you have guys that quote-unquote peaked in their position, Lee Westwood and Paul Casey, kind of peaking again uh, 10 years later because of this like kind of phenomenon that's happening in the game of golf right now with kinesiology, 
with body science, with the track man numbers, with the physiological and psychological like focus. I mean, it's incredible. And it just says to not only the young guys and how they're making their games, but that the old guys can adapt and bring this new mentality, bring this new physicality to the game and resurrect their careers because of the same science that's bringing the Colin Morikawa's, the Justin Thomas's, the Bryson DeChambeau's into the game at the forefront. These old guys being able to kind of flip-flop their entire outlook on the game and transition and become high-level pro athletes in a new day and age, in a new generation, is almost, I think, more incredible than the young guns that are kind of growing up in it. I mean, and at 47 years old, he's his average driving distance is 296. I mean, that's still getting it out there, and that's still very manageable for many of the courses that they play, which is also kind of crazy that he's ranked 100th in driving distance for yeah. at two, 296 but that's uh that's that's awesome to see and it just kind of all even shows to you know even like us us ams out there playing like if you want to play the rest of your life just you know i get ted talk here is you know focus on your on your your movement focus on your health and focus on kind of your strength because you can play this game forever and and still get it out there. Even just because you get up in age doesn't mean you're going to lose it. Oh, even, even more so on the amateur level. Hell I play with a guy that's almost 73 years old and he's, he sticks it out there with all the young guns, especially when you're playing an everyday course, when you're playing your local club, you're not playing it from all the way back. If you're over 70, you're probably getting the T forward. You know, you can still, hang with the young guys because you have the advantages. Even if you want to play back at the blues, 68, 6,900 yards is manageable. Even if you're only hitting at 250, 260. I mean, even if you, even if you look at most of these, I guess you can say local courses, just these average tours. I mean, even mine, like, I mean, it just peaks at 7,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not playing 7,500 yard courses, 74, 72. I mean, I think there are some guys out there that can still manage getting around a 7,000 yard course. And even when you play in, I mean, I don't know about you, but from what I noticed, a lot of the gap events, they play around like the bigger major, I guess you can quote unquote their majors. They play around uh, 66, 67. So your average blue tees, which I mean, that gives everybody kind of a fair chance. So, I mean, it just like, yeah, it's, it's crazy how, you know, if you just focus on kind of your body movements and understanding your swing and just building a little bit of strength, you can still get it out there. Oh, absolutely. And that's what I love about it, man. It's just so cool to see these guys um, contend again. Um, yeah, it's like Paul Casey. He, he had a funny statement after playing this weekend. Uh, he said, you're always on the hairy edge of disaster. And I think we saw that with Lee Westwood and Bryson in their final grouping. They just could never get it back together all weekend long, especially Sunday. Uh, Bryson had a topped shot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can we talk welcome, about second? Welcome to, uh, welcome to our side of the world there, Bryson. Welcome to the mortals. Uh, that was crazy. And he was just so in disbelief. I mean, sometimes I wonder if he's, you know, with, especially cause he was, he was pulling three wood. Right. So I, it, and it just seems like, he swings so fast. He just must have just came too much on the upswing and then just boop, 
topped it. I mean, he's still got he still got some serious ball speed on that top shot. So. It's actually scary how how much speed he got on that top shot. But it does it does beg the question, right? Like, obviously he's trying to just absolutely piss missile everything he hits off the tee. But when isn't when is when is too much speed going to become an issue for Bryson? I mean, I know he's already kind of like bulked it down if you could say he's 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 slimmed out right from his big big like massive bulk but like i know he's still trying to get more speed is, is this transition do you think long term gonna cost him or, or do you think do you think it's a thing of like all right he's starting to understand what the limits are he's starting to understand hey this is as fast as i need to go in play well i mean you can kind of look at it the rory factor Look at Rory McIlroy. He, true, he, you know, the I guess you can say that, as Bryson said, the Bryson effect was effective. Uh, Rory, who hits it a ton still, uh, worked on his speed, trying to gain a little bit of extra more miles on his, on his swing speed and get some faster ball speed and some larger distance, and it, and it hurt him. He got cut. I mean, he hasn't been playing well because he was trying to hit it just maybe a little bit further, but does it really, how much really are you gaining an advantage when you're going from 330 to 350? Well, I will say this, right? Like we're asking that question. We're, we're talking about a two-time winner on tour this year, a major winner. And we're talking about a guy who's contended probably four out of the last six times he's teed it up. Not like top five, like literally contended. Um, so I want to say, like, yes, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like, what is what is the difference between 330 and 350? But then when you're looking at the shot he hit over at Arnie's place, like over the gap, right? Like, T to green across the corner, it, it does matter for Bryson. Like, yeah. It, 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 like, it, it's to the point, literally, and I want to talk about this too because you and I got into this uh, as far as, like, posting about it. The players legitimately made a rule because Bryson was toying with hitting it left of the stands on 18 and having a little chip flip wedge because he's the only one who can hit it over there. Like we're starting to, we're starting to see the tour make rules because Bryson hits it so damn far and thinks so far outside of the box. Yeah, that is, uh... yeah, but that's just like one person. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, they're making rules because of that. Yeah, that's ridiculous because because isn't golf about creativity? Isn't it about painting a picture? Isn't it about thinking outside of the box? There is nothing worse than an in-course out of bounds from a, from a, any person who's ever played tournament golf. There's I mean, nothing Bubba, worse than Bubba played Bubba played a course not too long ago. I don't remember the name of it, but he took he went through the trees. He ate, the fairway went straight ahead of him and he aimed like 60 degrees right and cut it through the trees up back and around to cut yeah. the corner. So, I mean, Bubba hits it a mile. Uh, he's cutting corners, but I just think it's the media hype pushing Bryson's game to a different level because actually if you go back to Arnie's place, yeah, Bryson cleared it, cleared it like 370, but they're saying Rory took a tighter line. Correct. Rory took a more aggressive line. So, that's where I can kind of, I mean, okay, so Rory took the more aggressive line, just cleared it, and it rolled out to, I don't know, 340, 350, and he was sitting pretty pretty with the uh, flip wedge into the green. 
Bryson's deep and had to basically punch out. So again, that kind of brings back how much of a, an effective difference will 330 to 350 really be. I mean, if you're sitting there struggling to have control of the ball and you're shooting 79s, 80s, you're going to get cut. So if you, but if you're, if you're, if your game is actually like solid where like 330 is your max, you're in the fairway and you're sticking them close and now you're shooting 65, 64. uh, That's what I'm, what I think we're seeing right now is Bryson's comfortable with it. We talked about this months ago that he was swinging so fast and there was so much hype around him because he was swinging so fast in his off weeks, whatever, in his training sessions, because his new normal now is faster than his normal was three months ago. And, and, and I think that's what his big push was is like my normal is now incredibly fast and it's incredibly advantageous to have the distance because I'm like, now are, getting eight like, wedge and nine irons instead of six and sevens. We talking normal as in if he just takes that smooth tempo swing. I mean, not even smooth tempo, but like his, if you, if every person looks at it now and says, oh, wow, he's swinging fast to him, his mind and his body, it's not that fast. Like it looks fast. It registers fast. That's what I'm saying. But it's normal to him. Like it's kind of pushing the boundaries personally. And it's kind of like watching, it's kind of like watching Kyle Berkshire play his YouTube rounds. Like the guy's got tons of speed, but he just goes out there and makes like a more controlled swing. And the, he's still hitting nine irons, like 190 yards. Correct. And that's what I'm getting at. I think yeah. we're seeing Bryson's new normal, right? Yeah. It's not going to go backwards from this. When people say, oh, he's got to tone it down. This is his tone down. Inside the I mean, is his tone down. If There's you, times if, where he can get after it like he did, put his arms up real big like a big burly man. He got after that one. Don't that was uh, I, I'll admit that was actually kind of cool to see because the fans were back and they were cheering him on, and it probably got his like adrenaline flowing. And he because that scenario, and this is what I was going to get to that scenario right there. I mean, he was so set up to just take that because you saw him, he was like kind of dancing on his feet. He was doing the Berkshire a little bit. He was getting really getting himself pumped up. That's a long drive swing right there. I mean, that's that. If you notice next time you watch Bryson play, if you're there or you can catch kind of, if he's in a featured group or whatnot, you can watch him kind of all the shots. If you actually focus the PGA, they love the heightness, right? They love that. They love the energy. They love the excitement because that brings in viewers, right? That's like, oh my gosh, think Bryson's about to bomb it over like three, 370. He's not, like you said, he's not swinging like that all the time. That's just in that scenario. If you watch him throughout the round, he's actually just taking like a, a smooth tempo swing. But again, the speed that we know is like how fast that is. Again, like you were saying, is his, it's just his normal swing. Just take a nice controlled swing. So yeah, I mean, I think people need to realize that, but I don't know how long it's going to last because when he gets after it into those long drive swings, man, and the way his left heel digs into the ground and he turns, it just scares me every time. One day, I mean, well, and, and we're gonna get into it with with Terry from Body Track and and Rob Winkskovitz here in a, in a little bit, but they talk about that and they talk about a lot of those long drivers actually really holding down that that follow leg right like their 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 trail heel does not pick up uh and i can't wait for the listeners to hear that from from him and, and why that is right because there's a lot of power behind that movement um 
but it does say, you know, how, how long, how long can he keep that up and is there longevity in it? Uh, but I'm excited to continue to see it. We've got one more week out of the kind of Florida swing here. We head to the Honda classic next week, uh, PGA national uh, classic track there. Excited to see the guys go low there. Uh, Sun JM took it home last year. So, uh, excited to see if he's going to repeat really haven't heard much out of him yet this year. Um, so we'll have to see if, uh, if, if he can bring some noise, but I, I think, man, it, if we've seen anything from the last two weeks there, there's going to be some Bryson DeChambeau persuasion come the weekend. And I hope there's some Lee Westwood, if they could go three for three and, and get themselves in the final grouping, uh, I'm saying, I'm telling you this, I will be pulling for Lee Westwood because I was pulling for him at the players this past weekend too. Yeah. I think a lot of people started pulling, not nothing against Bryson, but I think a lot of people are just seeing, you know, like this is awesome. The Mississippi and it was, I think I forget who said it, but they said, man, I never thought the Lee Westwood and Bryson DeChambeau would be the 2021 Briarly. Yeah. between the two well and it was funny too i saw a lot of people saying oh man the the final grouping we we uh didn't know we needed but 2021 gave us for for the world to yeah, come together that's on, it you know? so uh yeah it's fun to watch man i hope we can continue to see it uh after this week we head out to texas for two weeks and then it's the masters april 8th through the 11th so excited to dive into that dante uh we're gonna dive into our own trip here on thursday and, and what we're gonna be doing a master's week for a little bit of a trip of our golfcation of ourselves as we dive into master's week and everything around it so guys appreciate the time this week as always you can follow us more on instagram and twitter at enjoy the walk pod you can go to www.enjoythewalkpod.com to check out our latest merch and follow along with our latest blogs and everything else surrounding the brand. But for now, guys, I hope you enjoy this show, and I hope you enjoy the interview with Rob Winskovich, founder of Squares Golf, along with Terry, founder of Body Track and writer for Golf WRX. Appreciate the time, guys, and as always, get out there, carry your clubs, enjoy the walk. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a fan of the show for a while, um, you know who we have on the podcast here, founder of Squares Golf, the shoes that, Dante, we've been able to really get behind since the beginning and have a lot of fun with uh, since they've launched their shoe down at the PGA show. And now to where we are here today, have a lot of tour pros in the shoes, a lot of big names. I think their biggest, as of most recent, being John Daly picking up on the on the vibes as well as Nick Faldo. Um you know, a couple open champs over there, uh, really getting behind this yeah. shoe. Uh, a guy who we're really happy to have on the show, Terry Hashimoto. Terry, you are the co-developer of Body Track Golf Pressure Map, as well as the founder of Golf Jazz Golf in Canada. Terry, really happy to have you on the show. It's an honor. DD, unbelievable to be here. Both of you guys, thank you very much for letting me share my thoughts with you tonight. Appreciate Absolutely. it. No, no doubt. Uh, Rob, you brought Terry on the show to do a really good deep dive into the proof in the pudding, you could say, of the yardage advantage of wearing squares golf. And there's a lot of golf shoes out there that really can, you know, put the marketing behind, oh, we, we can do this or we can do that for you. But squares puts the proof in the numbers as far as it can legitimately add yardage to your game. And that's, I think, what we're so excited to dive into tonight. So, you know, I'll kind of let you maybe take front and center stage here. Where, where do you want to start that conversation at? You know, first of all, it's great to be back. Good to see you guys. And uh, I, I've told a lot of people, I met you folks back at the PGA show and um, and I'll never forget, you were one of uh, 
three or four people that said, you know, I think you got a winner here. So uh, I appreciate your foresight and your support over the time. Uh, but you're exactly right. We, you know, we knew we built a really good golf shoe. And when we started this, we, we designed this shoe really for balance and stability. And um, we also looked at uh, the pressure mapping and we positioned the cleats on the bottom of the shoe. If you notice on the bottom of our shoe, there are four red cleats and that's where the pressure, the greatest amount of pressure is exerted on the feet throughout the swing. So we, we started doing some testing and started seeing distance gains and uh, in swing speed increases. And so we really wanted to dive in and know why. And I had the, the great pleasure of, of meeting Terry Hashimoto, who is, is, you know, Terry, forgive me for saying, but I call you the mad scientist. Um, you know, he is a He's an expert in pressure mapping, swing analysis, and he, he uses all the sophisticated uh, models and technology of today. But, but it's quite interesting, guys, um, that in golf, I ask people all the time, I say, where does distance really come from? How, where does it come from? And, and it comes from one place. Uh, people talk, well, it's rotation, it's weight shift, it's this, it's that. It's one place, one place only, swing speed. So distance comes from swing speed. Now, where does swing speed come from? Swing speed comes from a series of forces you create. The only way to create swing speed is three things, body mass, gravity, and the ground. Can a golf club create swing speed? No. Can a golf ball create swing speed? No, the, gall, the, the golf ball and the club are the recipients of swing speed. So you create the swing speed. It's a series of vertical, horizontal, of rotational forces that you create and you throw into the ground. And it's Newton's third law. Every action has a reaction. So you throw the energy into the ground, it goes into the ground, back up through your feet, into your body, into your hands, through the club head and into the ball. That's how you create distance. So think of it this way, you create the lightning rod and the club is merely an implement. It is, it is, it is the lightning rod. You create the lightning, you put it into the lightning rod, it goes into the ball. We all know guys like you've been around the business a while and know this club is the club is regulated. The ball is regulated. When a guy says, listen, I can pick up 15 yards by changing drivers. You really can't. The only way that that's the case is if you buy one of the newer models that hit, hit the ball better off the center spot, you know, because they widen it and they create an opportunity for mishits. It could, you could have been in the wrong shaft, but the point I'm making here is that, the club and the ball do not generate swing speed. Swing speed is generated by you and it's your connection to the ground. So let me ask you, what's more important in creating swing speed, your shoes or your driver? Well, the way you just laid it out, I think the shoes, if I'm not mistaken. But see, that's the, that's the thing that the people on, on your listeners probably don't understand is that distance is created from your connection to the ground and your feet. And there's nobody else that I have met in this business better than Terry to prove that out. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to throw it to him because I think you'd be fascinated to learn 
that not only does distance come from that, but rotation comes from your feet. Um, the balance and stability is critical to, to hitting the ball straight. So, Terry, why don't you take it away? Dante, Dalton, you guys are boarders for real, though, aren't you? <laughs> I wish I could say I was a skateboarder. I'm definitely not, but I did did do a good bit of snowboarding uh, growing I, up. So I can tell that. So in and around 29, 1929, a guy named Alex J. Morrison wrote a book called Centrifugal Golf. And in this book, he said, and he has an x-ray of a guy in toes curled upwards. And he says, to play golf proper, to play golf well, it must properly be played between the ball of the foot and the heel, more or less. That's what he says. Well, Alex J. Morrison, he was Jack Grout's mentor. Do you know who Jack Grout was? I don't think I do. Let's educate the listeners because I bet they There's a guy named Jack Nicholas before Tiger Wood. <laughs> Alex J. Morrison was Jack Grout's mentor, and Jack Grout was Jack Nicholas's coach. So Jack had a phenomenal uh, insight in that – the ball would be put, the golf would be properly played between the ball and the heel of the foot. Now, today we call it the two transverse arches, whatever. But Alex J. Morrison had it right. And the freedom in the toes allows the ankles to do their thing to be the shock absorber and the propulsion system and allow the hands to be free towards impacts. But I, I can tell you what we found, though. Would that be of interest to you? That would absolutely be adventurous. But before we jump into that, I, I do want to say too, you know, Rob, the way you laid out the, the distance debate versus, you know, from driver to shoe makes a hundred percent of sense. And I think Dante, you and I talked about this when we first got the shoe. Um, it, mm. We, we kind of like had this holy crap moment when we texted each other back and forth after wearing the mm. shoes and was like, was it just warmer today or, or was I hitting the ball farther? Some, something, you know, from, from the, just the kind of, I'm just going to go, you know, no, no other brands under the bus, but I'm just going to say I was wearing a sneaker style shoe, you know, All the worst. a lot of brands are out there. And I, I put these squares on, played a, a full round and I'm like, Dante, I think I was just hitting the ball to better today, man. What, what was different? And he kind of said the same thing. Clubs were tra like the ball was traveling further. And, 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 you know, Terry, throwing it back to you. Wh why? why? Why is that? Because All right. So, well, the number one way to gain distance, the one thing that we see with pressure mapping is great players get pressure to the lead side early. That's They all do it. The P2, P3, pressure's already moving forward. The very first thing that we measured with the square shoes was, was the contact surface area. And between the two arches, between the call, the, call the, the distal and the proximal transverse arches, which is the ball of the foot and where the ankle joins the foot, the square shoes had the greatest contact surface area out of any shoe that we had tested to date. It also had the center of gravity closer towards the midfoot and heel than any other shoe by almost between almost to two inches. So it moved the pressure back into the heel. Now I'm going to ask you to do a, a very simple thing for me, Dalton and Dante. I want you to just stand up and I want you to put your pressure all on your right toe. Are you right-handed golfers? Do me a favor. Can you do this for me? Golfers. And I'm going to say sure. this as all right. well. I'm going to, I'm going to take my mic with me. I'm going to tell the listeners. Okay. Take your mic with you. If you're Come on, Dante. This is an interactive session. Come on, guys. Hold on. I got to, I got to move the electronics around. <laughs> if you're all right. So you're going to do this. Guys, check it out. Go to, right, go so to enjoy the walk off podcast on YouTube and check out the video. This is, this is phenomenal. Content. Okay. <laughs> So put all your pressure in your right toe, on the right toe. Now try to turn your hip and shoulders back. Are you restricted? Yes or no? 100%. Yes, it's all, all right. Put all your pressure in your trail heel, in your right heel. And are you less restricted on the way back? Yes. yes a lot. Absolutely. 
And where exactly. Does, excuse me. Where does rotation come from then? Exactly. It comes from Ground the square down. shoes. Your feet. The square shoes put the pressure more into the into the center and trail on and a heel of the trail foot, allowing you to have greater range of motion in your knees, shoulders, and hips. That was number one. But number two was it unweighted the trail side. The vertical forces on the trail side were lesser allowing the pressure to get to the lead side quicker. And what we noticed on the lead side was that the greater, the vertical forces on the lead side were significantly greater than when we used any other shoes, same golfer. And that's where the distance really comes from. Because when you break hard on the lead side, because you've got more greater vertical force, that's where the supreme distance come from. That's what Bryson was doing all week. Dante, I got to ask you, when your you weight that. was on your when your weight was on your toe there, I felt like I was not even 20% turned. What, what about you? Right. Uh, honestly, it felt like the uh, the whole, uh, I guess you could say the tendons and the muscles went up to my calf and just like tightened up. I couldn't move. Well, no. let me address that because you were spot on. So anybody listening to this can, can do the same thing with their hand. If you take your hand and stick it straight out and you move your hand up and down, it's easy to do it in a round, it's easy to do. But if you squeeze your fingers together like a rounded toe shoe, squeeze them together and try to move your wrist up and down, you feel the stress in your, in your, in your wrist. And the reason is, this, well, the first thing is that's the same in the shoe. That's the same with your feet. Once you start putting that stress, it starts reducing rotation. So now that your toes are sitting naturally and you've got the weight positioned in the inside of your right heel, it allows you to turn. So. When, when we talk about the importance of golf footwear, when you, when you start agreeing with me that distance is created by swing speed, swing speed is created by a series of forces that you create, the only connection you have to the ground to exchange those forces is your golf shoe. And then when you just did that little exercise and found that you can rotate your body, your feet facilitate that. The other thing your feet facilitate is, is balance and stability. The only way to effectively use those forces is, is to do it in a controlled manner. And balance and stability is so underrated. And I'm gonna just touch upon what, uh, what uh, uh, Dalton was saying earlier. If you're wearing a sneaker-like shoe, I can tell you that if you can hold a golf shoe by the heel and the toe and twist it, get rid of it. Throw it away. It's not doing you any favors. Now, if you take a sneaker-like shoe and on your trail side, you hold it and you squeeze it. Notice how I'm squeezing this and there's nothing in my shoe here and there's nothing coming out on the outsole here. It's not hanging over. But when you do it with a sneaker-like shoe, you squeeze it, it hangs over the, the, the outsole here, the midsole, and when you rotate back on your trail foot, it's gonna want you to supernate. You're gonna get so far outside of your right foot, you'll never be able to make it back. And therefore your weight's gonna stay on your right side. And if you hit a good shot, it's an aberration. Bravo, the toes are the break. Oh, go ahead, Terry. The toes are the brakes, the heels are the accelerators, the ankles are the shock absorbers and the propulsion system. What Bob was talking about, I totally agree with. And, and the cool thing about the square shoes is that it, it allows you to keep the pressure on the inside of your trail heel better than any other shoe we've experienced, thus accelerating uh, properly. If you accelerate through the toes, you're really, it's like driving down the highway with your toes with one foot on the brake. 
The top three pressure mapping problems in golf are, number one, too much pressure in the toes. Most people do that. Backing up in the irons for young kids. And old guys like me don't get to the lead side quick enough. What we saw with square shoes, after testing hundreds of golfers, literally over 100 golfers in the last three months, is that not only did it improve the trace, but we started looking at what metrics were involved. It increased the range of motion in the knee, shoulders, and hips. It kept the pressure more on the heels than any other shoe that we saw. It unweighted the trail side early, allowing the pressure to get to the lead side faster. And that, by the way, is the number one common denominator for all long hitters. And we saw distance gains that were really kind of foolish. They ranged from 10 to 25 yards in just irons. We saw ball speeds increase from 10 to 17 miles an hour easily. We saw range of motion in the hips and the shoulders go over 12 to 22%. I mean, you know, some numbers, you've you got to be careful what you're publishing because you – you know, you, you got to make sure that all your data is collected properly. And, well, we, and it's funny, we're very, you know, very careful about this. And keep in mind. We keep a close eye on those numbers in the industry. Dante and I have yeah. had our fair share of run-ins with people who we've said, hey, those numbers don't quite look right. You know, wh why? Where else, where else can this be seen? And I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, when it's such outstanding numbers, it, it's almost – you know, unfathomable at points. It's like, is that really the truth? And I think what's incredible with this is you've, you've done the science, you've done the research, especially with, with your background in the body track uh, motion industry, you know what to look for and what the rest of the industry looks like. And this seems to stand itself way far above the rest. Well, keep in mind, we did the original uh, shoe testing pressure mapping system with another company before. So we, we had the advantage of being able to have an idea of what metrics to look for. When Bob gave me the opportunity, he actually told me, Terry, more or less, see, see what you can find, you know, like shoot me down. And I didn't want to shoot him down, but I wanted to understand why was everybody getting distance gains? But the toes were really where it began, and I never want to forget that part of it because it's the freedom in the toes that reduces the tension in the foot that allows the pressure in the ground to go up through the entire body and free up the hands, which ultimately are responsible for connecting, you know, increasing the club head speed. And Bob's done an unbelievable job, him and his team. These shoes are remarkable in five different specific ways. But my favorite is the ROM increase in the hips and the shoulders because the pressure is more on the heel. And you guys did that very simple test. Anybody can understand that. And that is a, that's, that's so important that I, I, it's underestimated how critical it is to great to have. A, well, Terry, let me add to that. And yeah. I think in addition to the, 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 the range of motion improvement there is that, because we started with a more square toe, we're able to widen the base under the ball of the foot by four millimeters wider than any other golf shoe in the marketplace. Now, what does that mean? That means there's more surface area, more contact area on the bottom of your foot. So that means there's, there's a better, there's a much better balance and stability, but there's a better energy exchange. So you will efficiently throw the weight into the ground and efficiently transfer it back up. You know, it's kind of like the, uh, uh, an ice skate versus a snowshoe. You know, it's, it's something that because of the, the, the contact surface area, you're going to exchange energy more efficiently 
And, and again, that's, that's where distance comes from, is that energy exchange. And we all have heard it throughout our life in golf. It's called ground reaction force. You know, Dalton, Dante, the one thing I want to just point out, and I never, I always keep forgetting to mention it, is that, you know, confidence in golf is an incredible thing. How do you, how do you overrate confidence? And, you know, I don't just deal with all professional golfers. I deal with sometimes, you know, rank novices. And when they start seeing distance gain benefits because of the shoes, they, they get more confidence. And what's really interesting is when we retest, sometimes the distance gains are way more significant, like in the second and third time when we retest, because their confidence is improving. I don't know how you measure that. Like I personally uh, would buy the shoes just because of the lacing patterns. The, the way that you tie up the laces are so good. They're in a square little box and the laces have got these nubs on it. They never come undone. And, you know, I can barely bend over because I drink too much beer. So for me, that lacing, getting it right is perfect. And <laughs> I, I just kind of love it. But, but in all seriousness, like, you know, the confidence factor, when you take a beginner and they're hitting a 7 iron 120 and they go to 130, and they come back and they're going to 132, 133, come back again, they're going to 137, 138. You know, these are things I really can't publish because, you know, someone's going to cry out the, the BS card and I'm not going to go down that path. But, but we see the confidence and I'm an older guy. And when I understand, when I see beginners and good players gaining more confidence because of their shoes, I realize the club, the shoes are the 15th club. They're no longer, they're a piece of equipment that, that is significant to all golfers of all, you know, different levels. Yeah, Sorry, Bob, I didn't mean to interrupt. There's yeah. something in there a little earlier, which I wanted to touch on too. I, I wore these shoes all week out at uh, the Palm Springs Golf Championship out in Palm Springs, uh, California. Walked in them all week, walked every course. I had a really bad ankle injury before about October of last year, and it was still bothering me in some other shoes. I put these squares on it. It almost seemed like it kind of went away. Um, you know, I, yeah. think it, I think it talks to just the natural ability to let your foot sit without really crimping it, cramping it. And, and I think something else that I'd never thought about until you had mentioned it was kind of the above industry standard width or that extra little lip that you get on the squares golf shoe that improves that stability. You know, I, I think whether you're a professional golfer looking to gain a competitive edge in these tournaments, or like you were saying, Terry, just your everyday golfer looking to build confidence. It seems like it hits every aspect of, of places where every golfer, no matter skill level, can find comfort in these shoes. Yeah, no question. And the, the comfort thing is something not to be overlooked as well, because, you know, when we polled golfers, we did all the research, certainly comfort was first on the list, you know? Uh, and I think, I think the only reason that comfort was first on the list because people didn't understand the performance attributes of a golf shoe. Yeah. You know, that, that we're talking about tonight. And I think maybe they'd rank that first if they figured they could pick up 10 yards. Of distance. <laughs> but, uh, but again, I, I, I think that through all of this time, the fact that your toes do sit naturally in the shoe provides you better comfort because there's less fatigue on your feet at the end of the round. Why? Because again, when you angle your toes and it puts the stress and it creates that fatigue. And as you guys know, we've got players out there playing on the PGA tour week in week out and they're, you know, playing practice rounds and they play the pro-ams and they're playing, uh, you know, 18 holes on hopefully Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, uh, you know, you take somebody with John Daly, John's got a bad knee. And in fact, um, you know, he was concerned that he wouldn't be able to play golf anymore because of his bad knee. And he's hoping to play in the British Open and, and walk the course. And, uh, 
you know, he, he, uh, he tried him for a month, uh, called me up personally and said, Bob, I got to tell you, it's the best shoe I've ever worn. And he said, look, uh, I'm 54 years old. Um, I've lost a few, few yards, you know, in, in the years and I'm the original grip it and rip it guy. And I've, I've picked up, uh, and he stated, he picked up seven, seven, seven miles per, uh, seven yards on his irons and 10 yards on his driver. Let's not forget about the stability in the putting and chipping. I mean, we always overlook the short game because we always go for the gusto, you know, like the massive distance. But the average golfer, is they just move around a lot in the putting and chipping, you know, even the lob shot. They, they're so afraid of it. The stability, what Bob mentioned, and that pronation on the outside of the trail, uh, the longitudinal arch on the outside of your right foot, the trail side, when that, when that pressure gets outside of that longitudinal arch, the, the arch which is up and down on the, on the outside of the shoe, you really can't recover or you have trouble recovering. And that's really where, you know, such a, a valid point in the short game. I mean, sure, we can talk distance all day long, but just to keep the momentum going here, the other thing that square shoes really help you out on is stabilization for your putting and chipping. And the very first time we put anybody in square shoes, somebody said to me, you know what, I, this helps me align myself a little bit better. Now, I know that wasn't exactly the intention, but the byproduct of that is definitely there's so many benefits of the square shoes, like literally, um, and, you know, I got to be honest with you, I, like I was involved with a lot of other shoe companies. Uh, I, I'm giving this from my heart because I'm at sort of my later, I'm on the last six holes, if you will. And I'd like to see people benefit from golf with the least amount of money. Now, keep in mind, I'm a golf manufacturer. If anybody looked up my, my name, I invented the world's first speed rated graphite shaft system. I invented the hybrid. I invented the world's 500cc driver. I'm one of the reasons why there's a 460cc rule. So, I mean, you know, I, I understand that it, it's, it's, it's a marketing technique to sell you a new set of golf clubs for $2,000, $5,000 every year. But for $200, go put 15 to 20 yards in your, in your, in, in, in your bag. You know, it's interesting on that note, Terry, you know, one of the common things, guys, we see on our Facebook and Instagram, you know, is, uh, you've got to be kidding me. Changing your shoes, you can pick up distance. Are you serious? Yeah. And, and I don't, you know, I, I take the time and I respond to a lot of the Facebook and Instagram. And I say, I ask them, I say, where does distance really come from? And, uh, and, and I go through the same thing I mentioned with you, which is, you know, it comes from three things. It comes from the ground, gravity, and body mass. That's it. That's where it comes from. Period. End of story. I want to share with you something my, my father told me when I told him I wanted to be a competitive motorcycle racer. Besides, I can't share exactly what he told you, told me, but <laughs> well, once, 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 I, once he realized there was no getting around me giving it a shot, and my dad was a Canadian champion. He was a little Japanese guy, five foot nothing, just suicidal. And I didn't know he raced bikes until I decided I wanted to race bikes. Some guys that I would take my bikes to that were repairing them said, your old man was crazy. So when I was, I talked to my dad and when my dad realized that I was going to do it, you know what he told me? He said, trust your rubber, trust your rubber. I'll never forget that till I die. <laughs> and if you don't have any confidence in your shoes, well, I'm going to tell you something you're going to get with square shoes. You're going to get trust. You're going to trust that rubber, baby. <laughs> There's not going to be anything that you're going to love better. Those shoes are yours, man. They are what you want. Guys, They're I'm telling double. you, if you've never watched our YouTube channel before, you're going to want to check this one out. This it's been phenomenal awesome. from start to finish. Uh, we just got a kiss, a, a, a first ever, I think podcast first, a kiss on the show. Uh, that, that, was, that was beautiful, Terry. And, and I'll, so tell, I'll tell you. 
I'll tell you what though, kind of, um, it, it's really eye-opening and how I look at shoes now um, on the golf course and off the course uh, when it comes to purchasing. And obviously, you know, you, like you said earlier, is comfort is like one of the first things people kind of look into shoes. Um, obviously style, that's a different topic and all that and whatnot, but like comfort is like the main thing because your foot's going in the shoe. But yeah. especially on the golf course, I'm secondly, I'm looking at like, what's the stability factor right. of the shoe? Because when I originally got these, now I think we got these at the time where everything was pretty much shut down and we couldn't do a damn thing. And, yeah. and immediately I put my foot into them and like, I have, I have a shag carpet kind of in my room. Shaggy. Oh yeah. yeah. Put the shoes on and instantly felt a connection with the ground. Yeah. I mean, it felt as if like already my, I had claws and I was just clawing into the ground. And I, I even texted Dalton. I said, dude, I said, the stability on these things are absolutely insane. I was yeah. like, I've never put my foot in a shoe before that, where I immediately noticed, I was like, these things are going to be very stable. Yeah. You know what? And that's an important thing too, uh, Dante, is that, that stability in the golf swing, if you don't have it, it produces a lot of inefficiencies. We all know how difficult the game is to play. And what happens is it's trying to mitigate and, and eliminate or reduce, so to speak, the amount of inefficiencies that you produce into the golf swing. And that could be anything from taking it outside or weight shift or whatever it may be. And to have something like a very stable shoe that can promote um, and for the most part, eliminate some inefficiencies, that's critical. And, and, and like I tell everybody, I say, look, there's two connections in golf. You know, your feet to the ground and your hands to the club. And, um, you know, I, I've just watched over the years that people have given the club and the ball too much credit. And it's now, now I think, in my humble opinion, it's a commodity. Uh, in fact, there's uh, my golf slide did a... Um, did a study on the top 25 best performing drivers and of the top five, top five uh, best selling drivers, the difference in distance was less than two yards. The top three drivers was less than one yard. And the second best driver they tested was five years old. <laughs> I did see that. And it so, brings, it, it's well, a hilarious, I mean, it's a hilarious comparison to why these companies continue to force marketing on drivers. When we all know something that they came out with in 2015, 2016 can hold head with some of the newer, uh, quote unquote technologies that we're seeing today. Well, even, even going off of that, if you just look at this past tournament, you look at Bryson, I mean, what he's done when, I mean, if you just look at the sole fact of, I guess you can say ground and pound and using the force, like, that guy's generating so much speed and you can just see he's driving his heels into the ground and really getting that ability to turn. And, yeah. and kind of goes back to what you were just saying there, Rob, and the set and the fact that it's not, they put too much focus on the marketing on the equipment. He was using a driver from 2016. I texted Dalton that today. I said, dude, the, the driver he was using for, it was like four or five years ago. So how is that going to be a factor? Well, what's making him hitting a lot further? I mean, look at the way he's generating the speed for his game and four off the tee. Yeah, and a lot of these the guys, ground. a lot of these guys, uh, they're they're working on the game from the waist down. They're working on creating it. So, you know, you see a lot of these good golfers can generate about one and a half times their body weight. So what does that mean? That means when you stand on the ground, if you have 200 pounds, you're giving 200 pounds into the ground, it's giving you back. Now, if you take and you swing the club down and you watch some of these better golfers like sit down and force, 
force the energy into the ground. And then as they're hitting the ball, when they make contact, they're up in their toes. Now, why is that? It's because they're throwing so much energy into the ground. It's lifting them back up and they can create this. And so all the good guys today, the better or the longer hitters today are looking at those type of kinetics. They're looking at body mass, which Bryson put on a lot of body mass, right? They're looking at gravity and they're looking at the use of the ground. And you talk to any one of these great instructors that ever instructed these tour players, they'll tell you that distance is created from the ground. It's all about the use of the ground. How many times have you guys heard somebody say the golf swing is built from the ground up or use the ground? That's what they mean. That's, that's what this is all about. And that's what we're here to talk to people about is the shoes, the shoes make a difference in the golf swing. They create and help you create distance. Bryson was an early adopter of body track. He used to use it when he was working with V1. And then his coach, Mike Shy, is a personal friend and a good guy, a tremendous fella. And, uh, you know, things change. And he was he became friends with Kyle Berkshire. And Kyle Berkshire, hey, one of his coaches is a guy named Steve Cox. And we've got all those guys' datas. And, you know, that. They're t very much what Bob was saying is they're using the ground, but they're doing it differently. Like, like the thing about both Berkshire and in particular, you know, Bryson, their trail hill down is, is, is very low to the ground towards impact, but they are definitely pushing hard into the ground on the lead side. I saw a shot, the only shot that Bryson hit poor that I saw on the last round there, he got, he, he supinated on his trail side and it's not, it's because of the soft shoes that he's wearing. Now, once Bryson uh, catches wind of squares, he, I think he already knows about it because Mike Shy, I've already talked to him about it. He, he could pick up 10 more yards with the square shoes all day long. Now, Bryson, the trouble with him, he's making so much money endorsing that other product that he's using. He'd be foolish to do it. That 10 yards doesn't really matter to him because what's the difference between 340 and 350? But I'll tell you this. When somebody up comes up behind Bryson and they're at 345 and he's five behind him, Bryson will ditch whatever shoes he's wearing and go to whatever shoes that will give him more distance. And that's the secret, the keys to squares, because I've got more old guys like my age that played senior tour, that are playing champion tour golf, calling me, Terry, can you hook me up with Bob? Terry, can you hook me up with Bob? I'm saying, I'm not going to hook you up with Bob. He's a busy guy. You know, like, <laughs> know he's got better things to do. more yards. You know, like, you know, but no, but they want the 10. But I'm telling you, I, I, I know exactly what, what Bryson's doing in Berkshire, too. And they know it. They follow me whether they admit this shit or not. They follow me and they know what I'm, that I'm talking about. They get pressure to the lead side. They trap and clear it on the lead side. And all, if, if Bryson had the, Bryson, if you had these shoes, you'd pick up 15, baby. 15, one five. But we're not giving you any money to use them because you can afford to buy them on your own. 200 bucks. Put the other guy's logo on it. We don't care. You know, Terry did. Terry tested, uh, I think, to date over 100 golfers uh, yeah. with these shoes. And he made them hit, you know, shots, 30 shots in his seven iron and driver and their shoes, our shoes. And um, he's uh, in every single case. Am I correct, Terry? Every single case. Every uh, single case. And but, but we do a lot of, like, I think the reason Bob kind of and I get along so well is, you know, I, I'm not just looking for, I mean, we're seeing absolute distance games. I'm sorry, but there's nothing else we're seeing. But I'm looking for, I want to know, can you hook the ball more with the shoes? Can you can you hold it off more with the shoes? What's the stability actually doing? So a lot of times I get caught up because, you know, I'm, I'm not 
paid to do just research. I'm actually curious. I want to know. So I get guys trying to hit rapid hooks or block cuts. I, and, and, you know, the funniest thing is they can't, they can't do it as easily, but they're getting, they're getting it straighter and longer. So I finally quit. I said, you know, straighter and longer is not bad. And that's why, you know, every single case, in every single case, people, every single case, every single case. If everyone like, knows I, I, what I, you do at Body Track, you know, it, it's an obvious testament to the curiosity, right? That, that's kind of what yeah. it's all in the numbers with Body Track. And I think as tour players turn to it, as amateurs start understanding what Body Track is, with maybe it's their teacher or, you know, who, however they come across it, uh, that, that little bit of extra edge that you're seeing in those numbers is incredible. Can I ask you guys, uh, you know, Dante Dalton, a question? Absolutely. Do you guys travel. All right. So we've been flying for the past 30 years at subsonic speeds in these beautiful airliners going 540 miles an hour. Now, who's going to be the first guy to sign up to fly at 1.4 Mach from New York to L.A. if you could do it affordably? Wouldn't you? Affordably? Wouldn't you? 110%. Well, this is affordable. I'm taking you from the subsonic to the supersonic area, baby. Just get your brain around this, people. It's so easy. Spend 200 lousy bucks. Bob will give you your money back if you're not, if you're not satisfied. What more do you want? And I'm going to back it up with the data because we have seen nothing but distance gains and the extra control and support that you're going to get. And, it, you know, and Bob doesn't maybe want me to say this, but your putting and chipping is going to be beyond reproach because most of you jerks that play golf out there move around like you got the yips naturally. These shoes keep you stable, baby. And when you're stable, you can putt and chip like demons. <laughs> you just you just hit a special spot inside my soul. I do have the yips naturally. So these there you go, brother. That's a fact. I've seen it. I've witnessed. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to you know cause controversy. It's just that we're all so possessed on distance. I always tell people hitting ain't scoring, but with the square shoes you get both. You get you get the distance and you get the scoring opportunity. In my day of building golfite shafts, I built the world's first filament wound graphite shaft with a company called Spirotech, and we sold it to Graphaloy. Well, in my day, you had a you 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 either selected distance or accuracy. You could get a more flexible shaft, you go for distance. You want a heavy shaft, you go for accuracy, but one sacrifice the other. Nowadays, the way we make shafts is we can give you both distance and accuracy. And what's so cool about square shoes, we can now give you distance and stability for your short game. And the short game should never be overlooked because if you can hit it 340, but you can't knock it onto the green from 90 yards out, guess what? Didn't do you any darn good. Square shoes gives you both. Well, I think it's incredible. Right? Yeah, I carry away. About- when you talk about performance in a shoe, who talks about it also aids your your short game and putting, right? And no other right, brand right. can even start to to put that in the conversation. I think whereas kind of like the mic drop of the whole scenario. Yes, we can talk about yardage. Yes, you can talk about stability. One shoe might have one, might one shoe might have the other, but Squares kind of has that all and then some. Um, Terry, I mean, you've you've done a phenomenal job of putting the pieces together for us tonight, as far as where the science comes from, where's the numbers at, why is it there, and how does it help, man? It's it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show this evening. 
Dalton, love it, man. And Dante, you guys are cool, super cool dudes. I'm going to go boarding with you. Oh, I mean golfing with you. And we're going to have a we lot of fun. Bob, we can I do it all, Terry. We can do it all, brothers. <laughs> Rob, awesome. I, I really appreciate you, man, as well. Just giving us the opportunity to, to get this out to our listeners. You guys have some really cool new releases out, which I want to focus on a little bit as well. Um, and kind of just put the focus back on where people can get the shoes and where people can follow along to some of the high-profile folks that have signed with Squares over the past few months since we have you on last. Yeah, so uh, you're exactly right. We're launching, uh, this month, we're launching a special limited edition uh, Sir Nick Faldo shoe that's uh, for his three wins at Augusta. Uh, that's limited edition. We're launching at the end of this month, three new models uh, of squares that are more athletic looking, three new colors. We're also doing a program with uh, Colt Ford in the country music world. And we're calling that Country Soul. And on the side of the shoe, it's got some really cool things, guitars and musical notes. And it, uh, we designed this with Colt Ford and several of the country music folks, and it really looks cool. Uh, then we're also doing what we call America's Soul, which is uh, a USA. And we're working with John Daly and his charity, um, Heart of a Lion, along with Major Ed Paluto. And, and Major Ed came from... Uh, uh, folds, folds of honor. And uh, this money, we're, for every pair sold, we're going to, on the American Sold and Country Sold, donate money to uh, their charity, which goes to veterans, first responders, and boys and girls clubs, as well as St. Jude. So we're really proud of that. We're excited for that. And then uh, the thing that I happen to be most excited about is the ladies model. We're launching a brand new ladies model the end of April. And this will be the first ever woman's performance golf shoe. We call it Freedom. So we're really excited. We've got a big year ahead of us. That's incredible. And, and jumping into the women's market like that, I can only imagine is going to just hit send shockwaves, not only in the amateur realm, but in the professional realm as well. I can't wait to see who jumps on ship there as well. Um, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. I, I, we've, as this podcast, have absolutely just had nothing but enjoyment and excitement for the brand as it's grown over the past year. Um, and I can only imagine with the things you're talking about laying out in 2021, it's going to be an another phenomenal year for you guys. I'm really excited to see the continued growth. It's been an absolute blast. It's been really a pleasure. It's a pleasure uh, working with you guys and appreciate your, uh, your continued support. Oh, it's our pleasure. I think uh, Dante and I both, anytime we play together, are always going to wear the squares, and I might hide his squares on him if I'm playing him in a match. <laughs> <laughs> Double D, good to talk with you, bros. Absolutely. Absolutely, guys. Thanks again. Really appreciate it. All See right. ya. Out. Thank you. Shut it up.